0: I am Piotr Szczepotowski and you are listening to Functional Tennis Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 70 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. We have a super episode this week with Piotr Sierpotoski, coach of this year's winner of Roland Garros, Iga Swoontek. He tells us all about the Roland Garros journey, how he got into coaching, how he became Iga's coach and some great insights into Iga and what he feels is important in players moving from the juniors to the senior game. Piotr also purchased a tennis pointer, aka the wooden spoon from us just before Roland Garros and tells us what part of Iga's game he will use on it at the end of the episode. If you're interested in the tennis pointer, head over to functionaltennis.com to check it out and use the code IGA for 10% off. That's I-G-A for 10% off. Before we get started, a shout out to our awesome podcast sponsors, Slinger, maker of the great portable ball machine. Okay, let's go. Hi, Piotr. How are you? I'm good. I'm fine. And you? I'm really good. Uh, We are back in lockdown in Ireland now, so no tennis for the next six weeks, which is crazy. But let's talk about you. How's life after the past few weeks? Things must be crazy.
0: Yeah, it is. That's why we decided to go for holidays, all of our team separately in the few different parts of Poland. So we are not followed by the people. And as the situation with COVID is right now, we are we are used to wearing masks. So we can, you know, feel feel comfortable. But yeah, like you said, it's going crazy. People are, are crazy right now about Riga because she's the first Polish player ever who won a Grand Slam. And it was like, I would call it, unexpected.
1: What were the thoughts? I know uh, you was a third round in US Open. And then you played, Rome was first round. So what What were your thoughts going into Roland Garros?
0: You know, it was like Iga made a great pre-season this year for this unusual year, let's say. Uh, and it was, I would call it, first pre-season, which she did from start to the end, like fully healthy uh, as most of our preparation time was after injury so this time she was feeling really really good really well prepared and everything so she had a lot of expectation at the beginning of the season for herself by herself so it wasn't easy for for her to understand that everybody did a job and nothing is for free on the court you have to fight for everything so beginning was really tough for her. She was really tight and we went to US and the result wasn't as she expected after such a great preparation. So then we came came here to, to Rome, to, to Europe and she played much better at this time. But let's say Arancha Ruiz, opponent of her was like, 100 percent at the day when you have to take this match like really really serious and if you make few mistakes you're gonna you're gonna let her win so it wasn't iga's day she she played way better than in us but again there was a lot of expectation because iga loves to play on clay and for her is her safe surface she loves to be there she, she likes Rome, so so she felt like, okay, I have to do a great result here. And then we had a big conversation in our team. We work with psychologists and it's more like, you know, the time when you have to talk about it, like talk about expectation, about results and that there is nothing for free. Everybody understand it, but when you go to the court, it's not not always there like the fire in your eyes. And I would call it killer instinct or tiger instinct that you have to fight for every single ball and stay in the rally. And uh, Iga, let's say, she said that she sees it, that it's like she has to change some way of thinking. We came back home to rest a little bit, and what she changed before Roland Garros was for sure expectations. I said to her, "You have forced fourth round from the last year, which is great result. So let's go, let's have fun, let's let's play, let's compete, let's see how it goes, but with no expectation at all." And I think it was like the most important part of of the change between Rome and Roland Garros.
1: So she lowered her expectations, and. And two, you went back home and this is, you actually bought a, this is totally out of context here, I'm throwing it in here, and you bought a tennis pointer from us. I know it was sent you, I'm not sure if it was delivered when you were there, but I'm going to joke and say to me that's what made the difference.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, it wasn't delivered at this time it came when, when we've been in Roland Garros So
1: that, 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 that's what I thought I'm only joking but yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with the pointer and in the future so make sure if you get any video you send it on to us But so our expectations went down but what we're going to do now is let's talk a bit more about Roland Garros in a short while before we get on to that I just want to know a bit more about you but how did you get into coaching What's your tennis background?
0: You know, I was like average national player, maybe not average, but top 20 is the most I did in my life. And let's say I have six years younger sister, which is like, you know, understandable that as an older brother, you have to play with your younger sister. So I used to start teaching, let's say coaching my sister when I was 14, 13, 14, and a lot of different players like friends of my sister asked, parents asked to to play with, with them. So let's say when I was 14, I was already coaching. Maybe it wasn't like full time time coach but I was coaching every weekend for a few hours just to earn a little bit of money and have fun with, with the kids on the court so so yeah I did it a lot and uh, at this time I didn't expect I gonna be a coach because there was so much tennis in my life, like every day, no days off. Even if I had day off for myself, I, I went to the court to practice with somebody else. So at this point, I was thinking like, no, I'm not going to be a coach in my life. So, you know, it's totally weird that, that, that I'm here where I am. But when I was 16, I was hired at the club as the assistant coach. That I was helping older coaches with the kids and everything. So so it stayed that way I, until I was 19 and I decided going to uh, to university and I stopped a little bit, but it was like for two, three months. Then I moved from Gdynia to, to Warsaw, to the capital of Poland, and I started to work in full time as a coach. Uh, it was like, you know, young dream to to leave parents' house and be independent. So that was a perfect situation for me to go there. I had the skills to to make lessons at at the club and I started working at the biggest club in Warsaw at this time. It was the club where Iga was practicing, let's say, since 2015. I'm not sure because I I can't remember when she started, but I was working there since 2011. So at the time when her coach uh, left her after 2016, Roland Garros juniors when she went to quarterfinal, winning with uh, Sofia Kenin in third round, I think, and losing to Anastasia Potapova in quarter-final. Uh, she, she parted her way with, with her coach and they asked me to help. So I was there, I was young, I, I was 24 at the time and I said to my boss, like, okay, I can help them, but... I don't think I have enough experience to, to lead her to the, to the great results. So he said to me, OK, we're going to put you on the team like the guy who can go for the tournament in case the main coach cannot go. And let's look for the coach. So you're going to be there, you're going to help there, you can learn, you can, you can have your opportunity to, to learn. So it was great. I, I had like no expectation about it, but I was trying to help them with, with finding a coach. And after two, three months, they asked me if I can stay with her as um, what I was doing at this time. It was OK for them. She was in the middle of the season. So they said, OK, it's, it's good for us. Iga likes it. Her father liked it. So, so they said they asked me if I can work with her.
1: It naturally happened. You're looking for a coach, but you're the coach and it just falls together. So that was 2016. And you get to 2017, you make new plans. What were the goals there? Were you just playing junior tournaments or were you playing ITF Futures as well?
0: I can tell you right now because I can't remember to th- that first year like really, really sharp. So I can tell you overall what was my goal. First of all, I didn't want to change Iga's tennis at this time because she's, uh, let's say, her technique is not like uh, you know basic good technique looking like there is a lot of players who are playing much better than technique than Iga but I said to myself like okay if she got to the point where she's top 10 junior players playing like that why to change it we have to improve it not to change it so so I think that was like my biggest idea about working with her just to evolution, not revolution, because if you change everything, you have to make the confidence. So we started to working slowly. But at the beginning, for sure, we started with junior tournaments, but she was already top 10. So we've been already looking for uh, ITF tournaments. I, I remember 2016, even, I think we, we went for ITFs, but I'm not sure right now at the moment. And uh, we started, you know, like to play ITFs, future tournaments together with biggest itf juniors tournaments. so so it was the goal to you know to compete in juniors at the highest level to keep the level because as the history shows that if you are competing on the highest level in juniors it's much easier to transition to the to the wta and atp so so that was the goal to play five six grand slams as a junior to be there to understand the places to 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 know the players who are gonna be there in a few years so it was really important for us to play Olymp- Yacht Olympics. For IGA it was a big dream to go there. So so it was really important for me and it was important for Iga. And you know, at the same time we've been she's been playing ITF futures, which she played great. Uh we went for the first one to to Sweden. She won. Next week she she made I think quarter final, like playing from the qualities both of them so it was great result then she went for some another in, in Italy, she made, she won so next to we get, we came to Egypt, she won one of them, made semi-final second second. so you know we've been doing step after step going up and that's how it happened
1: I did read that she won She's seven finals, she was undefeated in the futures which is pretty impressive she definitely has a killer instinct but how important is it that junior players are playing. Obviously, if their opportunity, if their rankings high enough, they can play in the Grand Slams and the top junior tournaments. But they also play in the senior futures. How important is that for you?
0: For me, it's really important. I I checked top ten players in in women's. I don't know two thousand eighteen, I think, and checked how many of them played Grand Slams juniors, and it was nine out of ten. So for me, it's like you know a tip or a hint that it's a good way to do this. So if the transition is much easier that way, why to try overtake it? Why to try going different way if you see that it's working? So that was really important for me, for Iga. Because right now when we go to Roland Garros, where she played already five times, it's totally different story than going even for the WTA tournament where she plays first time. She feels different. She she feels strange where she's going. You know, like it's different place. If you're going to a place you already know, it's totally different. You feel safe, you feel comfortable, then you can play well. Of course, there are people who, when they don't don't feel like you know comfortable, they play much better. But Iga is not that kind of person. Iga is a person who likes to know the place. Have have she has her routines. She knows where where to walk, what to do. So I think it was really important for her, and I think really important for many many good good like top level players.
1: Um, that makes a lot of sense. I never actually thought about that, that. Especially her who'd done well. She'd won the doubles there before and had some good runs in the singles. So that really makes a lot of sense. And tell me, Junior Wimbledon, were you with her when she won Junior Wimbledon?
0: Yeah, I was there. Uh, it was even more un- unexpected than than Roland Garros right now. I know it's uh, it's totally different level, but being serious, Iga hates playing on grass. So... She was so mad after after losing with Katie McNally in semi-final Roland Garros, well uh, when she won with her doubles together, but uh, she lost with her in semi-final semi-final uh, singles, and she had two match points. Katie played amazingly on the match points. Uh, I cannot tell you how good she played, but. She, she 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 I think she played return volley like crazy like <laughs> you, you you couldn't expect this kind of shot and Iga collapsed <laughs> so it was it was it was really difficult for her on the way home she said to me coach I'm coming back home and I'm gonna do a practice without the mistake and she did she did like one and a half hour on the grass with one mistake. So she was so pumped, so mad, like, you know, wow. in a good way, of course, she was so mad, so angry that she lost. But she put it a lot a lot of work before uh, Wimbledon that I think she was, at this time, she was way better than the players on the other side. Even she doesn't like to play on the grass, even her technique is not perfect for a grass. She has a lot of work to do to be a good player on the grass but she was way better than other players and she had she won first round with Whitney Osigue, mm. which wasn't a really easy match like no matches were easy at this at Wimbledon because it's not easy to win on the grass with the good players but she won for that first one and she went to the final like like flying so so I was really happy about it that was like first unexpected result from Iga
1: so you're used to grand slam success
0: I wouldn't call it that way. Yeah, but we know how does it feel
1: right now. <laughs> yeah, you know how it feels. You know how to go deep in a tournament at big events. And so that that helps the pressure. So what really separates her from other top juniors? Let's say you talk about Whitney Oswenge, who is regarded, who was regarded as a great junior, the best in the world at one stage. What allows Iga to transition to the pro tour so much better that Whitney hasn't transitioned to the pro tour anyway is near as good
0: you know i think expectations it's not like the level is different whitney play a great tennis she knows how to hit the ball hard she knows how to run so there's a lot of players like that but as you know or maybe you don't iga had only one wild card in her lifetime so you know if you're american player and you have you're getting a lot of wild cards there is for sure a lot of expectation I wouldn't call it bad, but it's hard to handle it. And if you are not prepared, it's difficult. Iga had to earn everything by herself. Of course, we are really thankful to 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 the director from, from Ostrava right now because he's the director of the maybe not director but he's organizer of the of the Ostrava tournament at the moment. And uh, he even offered us wildcard right now as we withdraw from the tournament. And that that's the only guy who gave Iga wildcard in the past to ADK in Prague. So she had to earn all her way up to to the place where where is she right now. So I think there was no like expectation from somebody from around, you know like, society didn't expect her to be such mm-hmm. a good player because she, her way was tough. Like, you you know that it was tough for her. She had to fight for everything. So, so I, maybe it's, there, there, are, there are some shortcuts, but for her it worked, worked perfectly and that's why she transitioned so well
1: yeah the, the hard work that mental attitude really pays off in the senior game and what else is important so if, when she said okay junior career is over it's all senior now what transitions did you have to make to her game to make her a force in the senior game what's important for let's say what's important for other juniors out there who want to transition into the pro into the pro game really because the senior game it's so different what's important
0: you know, for me, like if you are really top juniors, your level is already like 400, 300 WTA in, in women's tennis. I'm not talking about ATP because probably it's different. I, I, I wasn't like spectating it. But if you are if you are top juniors, you play around this level. So it's really important to have, have a good start. Like pick the right tournaments i'm not talking like the easiest tournament but you have to pick the right tournaments not putting too much pressure like don't playing don't don't playing them like playing six in the row because it's stupid you, your your body gonna collapse because you are not used to playing at this level so for so long but you have to plan it wisely and uh, understand that you have to go from to get to this point where you play at your highest level. So for me, it was important when Iga got to top 200, let's say, and I could put her on the practices on WTA events or even the biggest ITF events to play with the best players. Because, of course, she was playing way slower. She was moving way slower at this time, but not because she wasn't ready. She just wasn't prepared because you don't need to play at this pace. You don't need to run that fast. So when you come to the court, for example, Iga played first Australian Open coming from the qualies, playing second round with Camilla Giorgi. She was like, "Okay, she is playing fast right now. At this time, I think she can go on the court and fight with, with her with the speed. Like, you know, it's nothing unexpected for her. She knows the speed. She knows how to move right now. Of course, Camila is playing really, really fast. But, you know, you have to change your expectation, who you're going to meet on the court. This is really important because I think it's not like you are not prepared for that. You, you're preparing players for playing as fast as possible. You're preparing, preparing players for to run as fast as possible. Of course, not everybody going to play that fast. Not everybody going to run that fast. But it's important to try yourself with with this kind of players on the tour not not like only on the matches practicing you know like trying to get good good player one day another player another day it's really important for me i think that made the biggest change in iga game like we've started to practicing with with these players who she had had get to used to it's you know nothing special we did nothing differently. Of course, we started practicing faster. We started getting better hitting partners, you know, different hitting partners, but it wasn't anything special. It was just playing with better players, maybe not way better, because if they are too fast for you, you're wasting your time, of course.
1: And their time.
0: Yeah, and their time, exactly. But looking to improve by playing matches are the best practices.
1: And, Tell me back home in Poland when she was training there with you, what sort of level of practice partners were available to her?
0: You know, we have like a variety of really good hitting partners. We have one who is working with me for four years and working with Iga. He's my friend, really good friend. And let's say he, if his mind wasn't against him, I would call say that he could get a level like 800, 700 ATP. So, so the guy is pretty, playing pretty fast and he's playing flat, you know, as the most girls. But of course, I have hitting partners who are lefty, who has the rankings like 800, 1000, uh, who got some ATP points, you know, that, that kind of guys. And they are really happy to practice with us, to earn money, to, to have a good time on the court and, and run for Viga. So, so the variety of the hitting partners in Poland, it's, it's pretty OK and everybody is hardworking.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it is important to have a bit of variety at a decent level, or else you're you're wasting your time a little bit if you if you're hitting with the same person all the time who's not that good, which can happen in some countries or even some academies.
0: Yeah, it is. But I think he you can always improve something. It's not like, you know, even if you get weaker hitting partner for two weeks, it doesn't really matter as long as you focus on your on your goals, on your on your technical stuff, and everything. You can you can adjust because it's really important to adjust what you got, not not, you know, like being mad because you, your hitting partner is out of shape, for example. Hmm. So it's really important to adjust. It's not easy for me, for, for Iga, because she prefers to have a hitting partner who is playing like crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but of course, everybody loves to play with people like that. But you have to sometimes, hitting partner can have a better weekday, you know, like he's playing shit from the morning to the, to the evening and there is nothing you can do about it. So we have to focus on the things you can actually change. So it's really important, but of course, I think the level of your hitting partners is important. The, not hitting partners, even partners so like other players who you play with, you know? So it's important to play with them on the same level or a little bit higher.
1: That's some good advice, what you said there about you can always, no matter who you're playing, you should always be able to get something out of the session. It's just having a good attitude and obviously working on something.
0: I can tell you one story from Dubai last year on the preseason. We went there and at this time, we've been at the place where the tournament is, so in Dubai at this stadium. And we've been doing preseason there for 10 days and there wasn't like a lot of good players at this time. So I asked the uh, I mean, if we can get two 13, 14-year-old girls, you know, like, of course, for Iga, they were too weak to play alone. But if I put them together on the single court against Iga alone on a single court, they can compete with her. So you can, you, can, you know, you can change it. You can put these two players, of course, if I had one and Iga against, it, it would be a waste of time. But for them it was a great practice and a great practice for Iga because she was alone and they were two of them on a the single court. So I think you can you can always find 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 a solution, even if you don't have enough good hitting.
1: This podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. They just launched their most innovative tennis range ever. Get the new Court FF3 Novak or Gel Resolution 9 at ASICS.com. ASICS Tennis have also just launched their new Court FF3 Novak, the only tennis shoe designed with Novak Djokovic input. To learn more about ASICS visit our website www.asics.com Partners A quick interruption for two things. One if you want to know more about the Tennis Pointer head over to functionaltennis.com and you can use the code EGA for 10% off and two, if you like this episode please leave us a review, share it on Twitter or Instagram or your favorite social platform and tag us so we can say thanks. This would mean a lot to us. Okay, back to Piotr Again, it's a sign of a good attitude by you, the team, by everybody. And the, let's say going into the going into the pro career, the senior career, what sort of team does she have around her? I know you talked about the psychologist. Her name's D- Daria, is it?
0: Yes, yes. We have fitness coach who is a physio too. So, so what, two people in one person, which. Is pretty amazing because you don't have to communicate as much with another person. Maciej Ryszczuk, he was working, he's still working with Tima Babosz. So he worked in the past with Sofia Żuk. So he's on the tour for a few years, but he's from Warsaw, from our home city. Uh, So as the quarantine was there, we asked him if he stays at home. Could he work with us? And he said yes. And that that's how it happened. Uh, what's more, like, we have a hitting partner who is our main hitting partner, like I said. And then we have a few more physios who are working with Viga, osteopaths. And I think that's it. That's it, like, for the, you know, regular training week but you know there is much more people around who are working if you got like doctors like you know different different things which you have to get used to if you are getting to this level.
1: Well that's interesting you did mention before the call about the whole the Red Bull test which we'll talk about at the end of this we'll talk about after French Open that's going to be really interesting so yeah having a team obviously is really important and the quicker you get that seems to set your body up and your mind up a lot better like with the psychologist, I know you've you got together and you talked about expectations, but what else that goes on with psychologists is really important, and how do they help the player so much in your eyes?
0: You know it's like I think the psychologist is not necessary, but if you want to be sure that your player is working the right way and it's quicker way, you have to hire him <laughs> hire her him it's like shortcut for me it's a shortcut for mental process which you have to do so like you know growing up if you're in your head if you have somebody who can guide you of course it can be a coach but it's never easy to to be a coach or for example talking about the family stuff it's never easy because as a coach we i shouldn't be in a family you know situation what what is she doing with her father what are the relations it's not my job my job is on the court and with, like, everything around. But psychologist is somebody who can help not only on the court, which is really important, and I think that made the biggest difference. I think Iga could get to this point where she is right now in two, three next years. But she got it right now because of that. So I think it makes everything faster if you find the right person and who has a good relation with you, with the team, because it cannot be like, you know, outside person, it's really important because it's not easy to understand your routines and your communication and everything from outside. So it has to be somebody who is getting into the team, is a part of team who can travel with you from time to time, who can see how does it work because not everybody understands how WTA Tour works. It's not easy to understand. And I see a lot of coaches thinking like it's something... You know, like, uh, holy grail. I cannot explain it, but something, you know, really, really, special. Like, really, really... I, and the WTA is professional, but players are not. Not always, you know. So coaches are not always professionals. So from time to time, you have to be really flexible. And it's good. It's good because uh, you're working with the people. Everybody is different. So lower your, your expectation, do the hard work, and yeah, the result will come.
1: How many weeks... Are you traveling the year over the past few years? I know this year is different.
0: Oh, you know, I travel almost everywhere with Iga. So last year, regular year, I had two weeks off. So of course, Iga had a holidays too. So when we sum up everything, I was on the road with her on or working in Warsaw uh, forty nine weeks, forty eight.
1: That's what it takes, listeners. You just got to you got to be on it all the time. And tell me, I just want to just briefly talk about lockdown. How hard? I know Iga was coming from an injury before lockdown, was she?
0: Let's say so. We've been, we've been, she she had an injury last year at the US Open. So at the beginning of the season, it was already after, she was already after. Okay. So we've been, we've been like practicing regularly.
1: How hard did she work during lockdown?
0: Not really hard.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: It's because you you have to understand that she was still at school and she was like regular student. She wasn't like on online learning. She had to go to the school to pass exams. And Iga was really strict about the school stuff. And I wasn't really happy about it because (laughs) I I was calling her semi-amateur, semi-pro. I wouldn't call her full pro player because she was putting much more effort into the school than into practicing. Of course, I understand that, that school is only one time in your life. If you finish, you can start working as a pro player. But imagine that she was coming. For example, I had to schedule the practice at 7 in the morning because she had to go at 9 to the school to pass some exam. And she was coming to the practice at 7 in the morning and she said she, she wasn't looking good. I asked her, like, what's going on? Why are you not practicing well? Because I didn't sleep. I was studying. Oh, so I cannot blame her because she wanted to pass good with the exams. And that's what she did in quarantine. She was studying like eight, ten hours a day. We played like three times a week until she had like her uh, finals at school in in June, I think. And after that, when we already knew that season gonna start, we started really good preparation. But it was six, seven weeks, nothing more.
1: Well, I suppose they'd probably, if you trained hard for that period of time, for months on end with no matches, you probably would have been burnt out injured. But interesting about the studying I didn't know that, a bit like Kaya Juvan
0: Yeah, exactly
1: We had her on the show a, a while ago and she was telling us how she was studying for exams and yeah, it's just it, it's good, look, I think education is really important.
0: Kaya, you guys are really good friend with Kaya and they are really similar in, in some ways and the school was really important for both of them
1: yeah, look, I, I think that's great and good that it's done now and you don't have to get <laughs> angry anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Full-on tennis now, no excuses. So let's jump right back into where we were at, at the start, into Roland Garros. You go in, you have this team meet and expectations have been lowered. Round one, you play Von Vondros, Wondroshova. And great win, easy work. What's the attitude then? Does expectations change all of a sudden or is it just no Keep everything down to earth.
0: Yeah, yeah. She played a great match. Iga already played with her in quarantine time. Let's say some show, except Exo uh, in Prague. So Iga won at this time. So she felt like she can do it. Of course, Marqueta is only one year older. I think than Iga. So we know each other. Like she knows Marqueta for many years from the junior tour. That's what I said. Like you know the players. Mm. It's not like somebody you don't know so it's it's much easier to compete when you know somebody than when you have no info about about it so yeah iga played a great match like she was prepared she felt good you know like in paris she doesn't she i'm i'm not talking about the city but about the roland garros uh course she loves it she she loves the clay she loves that kind of clay she she loves the balls of course they changed the balls this year but still she said it's fine for me. I even even this weather this year was good for her because we are used to practicing in this kind of weather in Poland. So yeah. everything sums up together, and you play lose like you play easy. You are not tight. So so Iga played a great match, great first round, and it was something like special for me because it was the match I could say after the match, even if she loses second round, I know that I can show her. Look, you can play that way. It's not a problem for you. There is something, you know, I can hook to it. Like, I can always say, look at this match. You know how to do this. It's not something you have to overplay your tennis. It's your tennis. You you know how to play it. And you can compete like that for many, many matches. So it's great that she she did it. I think the first round was the most important part of the journey of the Roland Garros.
1: Well, and tell me then, obviously, the fourth round you play Halop. And obviously, if you look back at last year, we all know what happened. Where it was what a forty-five-minute match. It was a zero love and one. What's the attitude going into that sort of match, where it's you come from such a beaten last year, saying it can't get any worse this year? Uh, what was the thinking?
0: You know, I think it was like both ways. Like one way, Iga understood that last year was different. Like that was first time on a big stadium. First time with that kind of player, you know, she came out out of the match after Simona Halep beat her ass and she said to me, I played well. I said, no, you didn't. You have to watch (laughs) this match one, one more time. Oh, I'm mad on you. And she was mad on me for two days until she watched the match by herself. And she came back and said, oh, I was so tight. I didn't realize I was so tight. You know, like I didn't catch the balls, which were like two meters wide from me. So it's crazy. Like, I was so tired that I didn't even expect myself to play better. So this year we said to her, it cannot be worse. Yeah. <laughs> you, you cannot lose in 41 minutes, you know, like just play your te- just play your game and you're not going to lose in 41 minutes. It's going to be 47 at least. So it's going to be better than last year. So we've been a little bit laughing. But I, <laughs> we, but we've came up with a really good plan for Simona. Iga was really prepared. Well, maybe Simona didn't went into the match like straight away from the first balls. So it was good for Iga. But you have to keep digging. If you don't, Simona will come back. So Iga did a great job after few, three, four games when Simona was trying to get back. So the same in the second set when it was... Two one, I think, and the games were lasting like for ten minutes. Mm, so, yeah. so of course she did a great job. But it's the kind of matches you have like twice a year. So you cannot expect to play that good all the time. And you have to keep in mind that there's gonna be a few matches like this in your lifetime. Of course, I know that she can play better, but it's not like competing on this stage, you know, on this level with this kind of players. And I hope she can win the matches playing not even that good like she played you know because it was 6162 and she played unbelievable so let's lower the expectation and play even 70 80% am um, maybe not 70 but 95% of it and let's win 6364 every time it's like the goal of the real good player
1: yeah you're not going to go out and win 6161 all the time exactly so yeah, it was a complete role reversal. It was amazing. I watched I watched the match and I thought it was absolutely amazing. And Trevisan, I know we keep talking about expectations and pressure, but all of a sudden, is there more pressure on? You know, there was a little bit
0: more of pressure. Uh, the match before them was really long, so it was difficult to warm up. The weather was bad at this day, like, you know, not everything working well.
1: I'd heard she'd warmed up three times in the day.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there was Schwarzman uh, Dominic team, I think, For so, so you couldn't expect them to play short. But, you know, there was a time in Fort said, I think, when I, I thought everything was going to be finished. So we started to, she started to warm up. But yeah, of course, it's kind of... You, you cannot, you know, change it. You cannot prepare for that. So we tried what we, we could. She, she got into the match a little bit late. But she got and she handled it, and I think it's it's like there is a little bit more of pressure because you are the favorite, so it's different pressure. But I wouldn't call it like more difficult. It's like just different. You have to be prepared for that and and handle it.
1: Yeah, and all the matches I saw, apart from I think a little blip in the final, there was no sign of nerves at all from the outside
0: from the outside maybe not but for me a lot <laughs> yeah. like through the match and i think it was like 3-0 first set and it came to 3 and these three games were like terrible i don't know why but she you know started to to making easy easy mistakes i think with her mindset uh, which caused her stiff legs and being tight so so it wasn't easy but it's a final it's a different story Everybody says final is different, and yes, it is. Even for me as a coach, if you're playing final of the Grand Slam, it's totally different tournament. So it's good that she handled. It's good that she played that way as she played, and she kept, you know, our tactical stuff, which we, which we talked before the match, and she won. So it's the most important. Of course, there is a lot of things to improve, but still, if you win, nobody gonna judge you.
1: And tell me, what are your nerves like in the final? Are you biting all your nails?
0: Yeah, I... I I was pretty nervous. I'm nervous every match. If somebody is saying that he is not nervous at the matches, he's lying or he has some trouble with his nerve systems system. So for me, if you put a lot of work into the player and you, you know, like you're giving a lot from yourself, then you're always gonna have some nerves. One one people one, one man will have less, one another will have more, but it doesn't really matter. But on the final I had like bits one hundred and fifty bits per minute at at some point, you know. So I love it. so yeah. I, I, of course, I'm not showing any emotions because it's my job to not show it. But uh, of course, I, I was pretty nervous and I was pretty excited. But after the match finished, trust me, I lost all my energy. I was so tired I couldn't even be happy.
1: Well, wow. we all tired that night, or all our team was tired. So imagine that our
0: celebrating of the winning Roland Garros was just eating good dinner and going to sleep. So so two weeks of hard work. And we have to remember Iga played singles and doubles, so almost every day work. So a lot of emotions every day. So we've been so pumped out that I couldn't believe it. I, I wasn't even able to, like I said, to, to show happiness. It came after two days when I slept. Well, slept well
1: Wow and were you, at, were you at all the doubles matches?
0: Yeah yes of course always
1: Wow that, i just say but th- what's the feeling for you so now as a, as a Grand Slam champion coach?
0: It's like huge uh, I would say result for me and like I said unexpected. so so of course it's something special but right now it's the biggest job for me I feel there will be a lot of pressure from around, of course, not from myself. But even from myself, I feel we have to do a good job right now for Iga. So, so she has to keep practicing as she is. My job is to, to make another plan which is going to work, You know, putting some goals for the next year and try to, to keep her level as it was on Roland Garros. So it's not going to be an easy way year. So I, I feel right now really, really happy, but I feel there will be a lot of work
1: the, the bar has just gone up higher that's all yeah and so just go quickly running back to Roland Garros were you at the men's final on the Sunday
0: yeah we've, Iga was there for one and a half sets, sets I think and I was there for one set because I, I've been so tired I wasn't able to watch
1: and did you celebrate it all on the Sunday night or was it I saw Red Bull had taken care of you they seemed to fly off for a few days
0: no, it was just uh, on our way back dinner at, at their, let's say, HQ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it wasn't HQ, but it was their place close to HQ. Nice. But it was still it was good for for us to to not coming back so fast to Poland. But still, there was some work to do with media for Iga. So. It was like fifty-fifty. Okay, you know, like we've we've been already li- really tired, but it it was some it was good experience.
1: So you're back. So you've been back in Poland a while. You had some media work to do. Now you're taking a few days off. And what's the plan? You talked about the next few weeks. You're going to you're going f- physical testing. Is it?
0: Yeah, yeah. We're going to to Austria to to have physical t- exams. All the tests we can do to check if her body is ready to compete next year. If her body, what what we need to focus on for the next year for our fitness coach for our physio. So it's really important for us to you know to check if she's healthy and just to be prepared if she if she has some you know risk of injuries. Uh, not to overtrain her uh, and then we will go to Nice probably to to test some rackets
1: she uses i can't remember now prince oh she used the prince yes which is unusual which is so she goes to is she sticking with prince no new contracts coming in
0: you know, uh, she played with no contract for last two years. Okay, interesting. But it's so so she wasn't like sponsored by them. But she played as she was used to it. And right now she has some contracts on the table, even from Prince, which is pretty pretty good because we can pick whatever she likes that's why we want to test you know like i'm i'm not sure if she's gonna change i'm not sure if she's gonna stay i just want her to take this decision for herself because i don't want to hear in the middle of the season that i changed or i didn't and i should you know
1: you can't win either way
0: yeah exactly so i just want her to take the responsibility for change i'm gonna help her i'm uh, we're gonna you know Provide everything we can to to get as best feeling as she can, but it's her decision and she has to be sure about it. So so that's what we're gonna do. If she will want to stay with the racket she is playing, she will stay. If not, then we will switch.
1: Hopefully that all comes to plan and you can start working on twenty twenty one. is going to be really exciting and I I can't wait. I'm just going to end this. With a couple of more questions. What advice do you have for? young juniors who want to who are breaking through to the senior game what's your number one bit of advice for them i know we touched on it already but you know
0: for me like really important is to stay healthy like no not over yourself not overplay in the tournaments because of course you will get you can get great results in the short term but on the long term it's really difficult to stay that way forever Pick up, like, plan everything wisely. I think planning is the most important part in tennis career. It's the the something which, uh, you know, divide good players with the average players. Planning and programming as the, as the, you know, like, short term.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Rather than overplaying, getting burnt out, you're injured and there's no run at all. And question two, what were you going to do with the tennis pointer? Because we speak to different coaches about this. And just interesting though, You probably didn't even buy it for Iga. I'm not sure who you bought it for, but why did you buy it?
0: You know, I I bought it for myself, you know, because I like to play tennis from time to time. But I'm going to use it with Iga because uh, I would love to move her a contact point a little bit more forward so i'm working on that for a few few years with her it's already it's already been moved a little bit but i want to prepare her for playing on the faster surfaces than slow hard chords and clay chords and i want to prepare her for grass season so that's i think that's a good tool to to improve your contact point being more more in front and i think it's like one of the tools you can use so i'm gonna use it
1: thank you that's great and last question who is you do you have a mentor who do you look to for coaching advice or is it just stuff you pick up on the road or you do a lot of reading
0: you know i'm, I'm trying to get from everybody around of course a lot of from polish people like Magdalenet coaches and partner in life. She has a great team. They are always helping. But like, let's say my consult right now is in uh, Cambridge. His name is Nick Brown. I don't know if you know him, but he was no. in third round in Wimbledon in the past. He was a really good player. And he was a coach of our Polish Davis Cup. And he was the captain, I think, of Fed Cup England, Great Britain. So he is like really knowledgeable coach. And he's a good person. It's it's like my really, I could like one more advice for everybody around the world who is trying to be a better player for juniors. Always surround yourself with the good people. I think it's much more important than skills. And, you know, like experience, it's important to have people who are good and who are willing to help you. So Nick is the person who is really good person and he unbelievable eye and unbelievable knowledge about technical stuff. And he's not a person who, I'm going to him with Iga and who says, oh, I like this forehand, let's change it over. No, he's the person who is improving the player. So I love to going with Vega to him. We invited him to us, and he is like, somebody who is helping us in the process.
1: Great. Well, thank you for that. That's great to hear. And thank you very much for your time. I know you're on vacation. I've taken up enough of it. Thank you very much for coming on board and looking forward to following the amazing journey ahead.
0: Thank you very much.
1: What a great episode, full of great information behind a great coach, player and team. Really interesting. If you know anybody who may find it interesting, please share it with them. I'd really appreciate that. And again, a last reminder of 10% off the wooden spoon over at functionaltennis.com when you use the code eager. If you have any questions, just shoot me a mail or on Functional Tennis Instagram account, and I'll be happy to help. But until next week, goodbye.